good to be back. It's good to be back and walking. Uh, last time I preached, I, I don't know whether you remember, I had to, I had to sit because uh, I was subject to some strange illness which I'm now putting well and truly behind me. Um, but we have, although we've been away on leave, we haven't managed to stop ourselves from just checking in occasionally on Sunday services. So we, we, we know vaguely what's been going on and what's been preached. And, and I, I can remember what was being preached before we went on leave. And there's, there's this whole series of, of messages which actually really excite me because we've been asking the question that parents hate because their kids do it all the time. Why? Why, why do we do that? Because uh, why? And it's never ending. But it's great to ask why because we need to understand the, the principles and the basics of our faith. We need to ask, why are we doing this as individuals or as a church? Why do we believe this? Why is this important? And this, is, this really helps us get a better understanding of our faith and helps us grasp the part in the, our part in the plan that God has for his people. So right now, we're approaching our, our Vision Builders Sunday, where, as you can read in the brochure, I did have one. Oh, it was, never mind. It's all right. Uh, because, no, don't read it now. Um, I know that you know, it might be a good time to take a quick uh, break to, to read the thing, but please don't. Uh, but we pledge our finances uh, to build the current and future growth of our church. So the question this morning is, why build? Now, first of all, though, you know, this word build, what do we mean when we say Build. I don't know what goes through your mind, but my mind, the first thing I think of is a building. When we build something, you, you actually build something with bricks and mortar, timber, whatever. But we can also use the word in different contexts, like build relationships, build community, build character, build strength, build a business. And these are all suitable and important definitions for our purpose as a church. But Behind the actual physical or mental or emotional act of building something, there are a couple of important things to consider. The first is, why are we building it? And the second thing is, what is it going to take to build it? And these are important questions, not just for us, but if you read your Bibles, you discover that they're actually important to God as well. And so I want us to look at the, the first major building project described in the Bible. Any idea? Any ideas what that might be? Old Testament, Genesis, Tower, Tower of Babel or Babel, depending on. I mean, it, I, I favour Babel because that's what happened at the end. Everybody was babbling in different languages, but whatever, whatever takes your fancy. So, and you know, some of you are thinking, well, hang on, that's not a good example. That was, that was a major fail. Um, why are you talking about that? It, because it, it was actually something that had some very important principles to it. And if we read in Genesis 11, chapter 1, it says, At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. Now let's, let's pause for a moment. Because this scripture marks the beginning of quite a, a significant stumbling block for a lot of Christians with their view of people outside the church community. Which is actually really important because if our mission is to build bridges into the unchurched community, we need to make sure that our, 
uh, attitude towards them is right. So where did they, where did they settle? Uh, uh, oh, the scripture's gone. Can I have it back again just quickly? No, I haven't helped you out there. I was going to get somebody to make the first words of Babylonia bold. But so what, what word does Babylonia remind you of? Babylon. And so if they settled in Babylon, who are these guys? Babylonians. Okay. Now, who are the Babylonians in the Bible narrative? The bad guys. Exactly. They are the enemy. And uh, all the way from here in the Old Testament to the book of Revelation at the other end of the Bible, Babylon and the Babylonians are not only the enemy, but the symbol of all that's wrong with humanity. But where did they come from? Can I grab a drink, please? I haven't got excited and talked so loud for so long that my voice can't take it anymore. So, the bad guys are the Babylonians, but where did, where did they come from? Where, where, where did these Babylonians come from? And if we look at the previous chapter in Genesis, chapter 10, we find something which is often referred to as the table of nations. It makes exciting and exhilarating reading as long as you like long lists of names. Um, and it lists the origins of all the nations on the earth, up to this point in the story anyway. And, and chapter 10 concludes with this verse. In verse 32, These are the clans that descended from Noah's sons, arranged by nation according to their lines of descent. All the nations of the earth descended from these clans after the great flood. So the Babylonians are actually family. In fact, one perspective of all of the struggles in the Old Testament that the Israelites have can really be seen as a case of really bad sibling rivalry. Uh, the important point here is that it is not the Babylonians or even Babylon that is the enemy here. It is the spirit of Babylon, the spirit of rebellion, which we'll discover in a moment, that is the real enemy here. And the same is true today. It's not the world that's our enemy. In fact, the people out in the world we should regard as family. It's the rebellious ideas that we fight against while actually trying to reunite the family of God's people. So we need to think differently about this whole idea of Babylon. It's not the Babylonians that are the problem. It's the ideas that are spread in a world that exists without the presence of God. And so let's, let's continue. After these people settled in Babylonia, what happened? So in verse 3, it says, They began to say to each other, Let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone and tar was used for mortar. Then they said, come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. So what can we see from this passage? We can see one, they knew what it, take, what, what it took sorry, to build the tower, bricks and mortar. And they knew why they wanted to, bring, to build this tower, was to make themselves famous and to stop themselves from being scattered all over the world. So to keep them all in one place. And when God saw what they were doing, what was his observation? If we read on, verse 5, it says, But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, 
Let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world and they stopped building the city. This is why the city was called Babel, because that's where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the world. Now, people often read that passage of Scripture and see in there a huge cautionary tale that says, basically, get too big for your boots and God will cut you down to size. But actually, nothing could be further from the truth. God is actually quite complimentary about the fact that the people had found a common purpose and were communicating this purpose effectively because they had a common language. In fact, he declares that that combination will make any goal they have possible for them. This is a good thing. So what's God's beef? Well, God has a plan for humanity. I don't know whether anybody's realised that. But it doesn't involve sitting in one place building tall towers. His plan was to actually repopulate the earth. When Noah made landfall after the great flood, God re-establishes his covenant with him. And in Genesis 9-7 says, Now be fruitful and multiply and repopulate the earth. So it's clear from this narrative that God disrupted their ability to communicate, not because he was upset about their innovation or their desire to construct a great tower, but because they had forgotten their mission. It wasn't the how that God objected to, it was the why. And this occurs again in the New Testament after Jesus has given the disciples the great commission to go into all the world and preach the good news. He tells them in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, and we've talked about this before, it's amazing how these scriptures keep coming up. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But just like Noah's descendants, the followers of Jesus get stuck in Jerusalem until suddenly Roman persecution comes along and encourages them, quite forcefully, to start to move to the ends of the earth. So what have we learnt from this? Hopefully, we've learnt that God's plan for us is to build his kingdom here on earth. And we do it by building many of the things I mentioned in that first list. We we build character, we build structures, we build relationships, and above all, we build community. And so God enacted his plan through the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, through the family of Abraham, which was meant to demonstrate to the world how they too were to live in relationship with God. And remember, God said to Abraham, you'll be the father of many nations, and all the nations on earth will be blessed by you. Now that sometimes worked and sometimes didn't. But in the New Testament, right up until now, God is doing that through the followers of Jesus as we saw in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And so as C3 Church Norwood, we're engaged in building a community along the lines of Ephesians 2.19, which in the message translation, which is quite pithy, uh, says this, In Ephesians 2.19, that's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He is using us all, irrespective of how we got here, in what 
he is building. So we know, we know the first requirement, why we're building it. What about the second requirement? What's it going to take to build God's kingdom, God's plan for us here on earth? And the first part of that question, I think, can be answered by one word, the word we throw around so much, vision. To build anything, there has to be a vision. And the vision that we need to have is basically the ability to visualise what we can't yet see. Proverbs 28 verse 18 in the King James Version, and I only use this because this is, this is the first time I heard this scripture and, and I've, I've clung to this just because it, it reads so well. It says, Where there's no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. And just that first bit, I mean, I just like the directness. Where there's no vision, the people perish. If you can't see your future, you're dead. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those scriptures that really got me excited um, because it was simple and easy to grasp. But then if we, if we look at it in contemporary perspective, because it's actually not that simple, the, the ESV, the English Standard Version, says it like this. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. And so vision is, is not just about being able to to see what you haven't got. It's actually to be able to tie into what God is telling his people. There's got to be a divine edge. There's got to be a prophetic edge to our vision. It's not a vision that we conjure up just by ourselves. We actually have to do this in concert with God and be able to determine God's will for what we're doing here on earth. And so vision builders is not merely about things or programs or outreach or missions. It's about building on the foundations we've already established for a greater future for our vision in the kingdom of God. It's about providing a place or an altar for the supernatural interaction of lives that have been changed and lives that are yet to be changed, connecting and growing in our relationships with our God. It's about providing physical, emotional and spiritual help in practical ways, both in our local community and overseas communities that help others to know God's love. Our vision is to keep being an effective help to all those communities, but to remain contemporary, relevant, and dynamic as a church, we need to be aware of the vision that God is unfolding for his church. We have to adapt and change and expand our thinking as we move forward. Who knows that adapt and change are two of the Loveliest words in the English language as long as they apply to somebody else. But part of what we do is to allow God to expand us, to change us, to give us the adaptability to move forward. Our vision, as in vision builders, requires physical structures. It requires equipment and places so that we who know God can gather and provide a place that attracts people who are yet to know him now and into the future. A vision builds the future, but there is a cost. Luke 14, 28 says, Don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Now, the cost Luke is referring to here is actually not a monetary cost, although he uses that as an example. Luke is talking about the cost of being a disciple. Now, for Vicky and I, vision builders is all about discipleship. 
our vision is that the house of God should be a place where people come and meet and feel welcome. It's a place where miracles happen and where heaven meets earth. However, building God's house takes teamwork. And we've already talked about how it's been incredibly gratifying that as we have taken time off, that we have seen that a team has come together and actually not just survived while we were away, but thrived and, and adapted and been dynamic in our absence, which is really great. And so we want to be part of that team, but we want you all to join us as part of that team too. We believe that being involved in Vision Builders is a visible demonstration of the love of God to each other and to our wider community. So we know why we build, why we have Vision Builders, and we know what it will take to build it. The only question you need to ask yourself and to ask God this week is what do I want to contribute to building God's house in 2021, 22? Because as we say each year, and as I think uh, Carmen said before, it's not about equal giving, it's about equal sacrifice. It's about taking something of our life, not comparing it to what other people can do, but to actually asking God, saying, what part of my life can I, can I actively bring to the altar as a sacrifice to you? What can I, because you know, a sacrifice requires effort. It implies that you'll give, sacrifice implies that you give something that you want, not something that's in excess. You know, if you've got a, a pile of dirt that you don't need, uh, sitting outside your front door and your next door neighbour says, I need some dirt. It's no sacrifice to give him that pile of dirt that you don't need. But if he says, I want that pile of dirt over there, and you say, well, that's my veggie patch. And you say, well, because I'm a generous person, I'm, I'm going to uproot my vegetables and give you that. That's a sacrifice. You've given something that you need. And so that's what, that's what it's not about looking at how much you can give. It's looking at you know, what is God call, calling me to sacrifice out of my life? What can I actually do that tells me every time I look at it that I'm actually doing something for God? Because it's easy to forget if it's just excess. If, it's, if you've just trimmed the fat and give, given that to God, then it doesn't mean anything. You can do that week by week and say, yep, I'm, I'm generously giving. And you might be, and if that's you, we thank you for it. But I don't believe that's what God calls, calls us to do. Um, Genesis 11.6 said, look, the people are united and they all speak the same language. That's what we need to do. It's not a question of our actual physical language. It's a question of the fact that we are communicating the same thought, the same vision, the same direction. And after this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. We need to have that attitude. And if we are moving in the same direction, if we are speaking the same language and we are united in what we want, then this scripture tells us that nothing is impossible for us. Now, as we close, you may be here or you may be online and you're watching this morning, you're not sure how this relates to you because you don't ha currently have a relationship with Jesus Christ, never, been, never mind being involved in building his church. So as I come to a close, I just want to take this opportunity to invite you to take a faith step and make that personal commitment to Jesus. If you're online, you can press the raise hand button in the chat and one of our team will speak with you privately 
and guide you through that first step to making Jesus the Lord of your life. And if you're here in person this morning and you feel that's you, you've never had a relationship with Jesus or you feel that you need to come back to a place of relationship with Him or even if you're just uncertain of your salvation and you might not know that if you died today you'd be with Him in heaven. And then if that's you, I'd love to pray with you after the service. I'll be up the front here at the close of the service. So just come on up and we can chat and pray and start a relationship with our God. So if you're online right now, hopefully if that's you, you've taken me up on that invitation. But for the rest of you there, thank you for joining us this morning. It's been great. Don't forget to... uh, Get involved in uh, Vision Builders, uh, that email address, info at c3norwood.org.au. Um, and uh, we'd love to see you getting involved as well as the people here. So have an awesome week. We'll see you next Sunday.